In season two of The Business of Nonprofits, we'll talk to organizations taking a head-on approach to big challenges and big risk in pursuit of big rewards for their constituents. We'll unpack their strategies and see how some nonprofits are making it happen and how you can too. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Business of Nonprofits. Today, we're talking to Jamie Friedland, the founder and executive director of Matea's Joy. Matea's Joy is an organization that brings community and joy to families with hospitalized children. She's going to talk to us about her journey from a passion project to setting down roots with a facility and community programs that are just expanding their reach every year. Jamie, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so your moonshot, I want to go back a little bit and I want to talk about yeah. Matea's Joy and a little bit about how you got here. So tell us about your founding moment and that progression. So Matea's Joy started in 2010. So we go back a handful of years and we started it in memory of our daughter, Matea. Of her nine and a half month life, she passed away as an infant. She spent about seven months of it uh, hospitalized at the University of Chicago Comer Children's Hospital. And my husband and I say we got the sneak peek behind the curtain of what it was like to have a medically fragile child to manage services like therapies and things at home. And it's a lonely place to be bedside with a kiddo. So after she passed, we felt a nudge to do more with what we learned. And we had time and space and energy that we would have put into caring for her that we felt like we wanted to put it somewhere. And we started serving families at the hospital she received care at. And a couple of months into it really quickly felt like we wanted it to be an organization. And we're registered as a 501c3. Actually, on our first birthday, the state of Illinois stamped it that day, which just was a fluke. And so Matea's Joy, which her name, Matea Joy Friedland, became the name of the nonprofit, Matea's Joy. And our mission is to bring care, community, and connection to families with hospitalized kids. It's an amazing organization. It really is. You're located in the kind of Chicago. South of Chicago is sort of my home, but we serve the Chicagoland area. So huge need and clearly families in crisis. I see a lot of nonprofits that start out of tragedy or trauma. Mm -hmm. You know, there's an intense period where they're very active and then things start to drop off. But 10 years later, you're still here. So yeah. talk about how that transition happened for you. When did you go from finding the original mission and then really doubling down? How did that work? And I will say it was intentional. I don't think you accidentally build successfully grounded organization by accident. And for the first eight years, which feels like a long time, which kind of is, it was a labor of love. It was the hustle we did out of our house. It was this project that my husband and I said, okay, we're going to do this work until it doesn't fit our family anymore. And so we even went into it thinking, okay, let's just see what happens. And then we had a really great board that got built, mostly of families that had been there, done that in the beginning, and a couple of neonatologists and felt like, okay, let's just see where the need is. And at about in 2018, I decided to sign up for this women's leadership coaching group. I do want to share this because I think sometimes it is outside service professionals, whatever you want to call it, that can be a catalyst for some really great change. 
And my background is actually as a CFO, and I've helped build businesses over the years. And Mateus Joy was, I don't want to call it a pet project. It was more than that, but it was in the background. And as I was going through this coaching group, one of the exercises was to essentially audit rooms in my life. And I say that in air quotes because it was sort of like, okay, take all the things that you're spending your time on. And when you think about dreams of what you want to build in life, what are in each of those rooms? Like open the closets, like who's in there? What's in there? What do you want to build? And I found myself completely enamored and excited and full of passion about Mateus Joy. And I very clearly could see the vision of what could be and what currently was. And all the steps, you know, I went through and we like to call them the millimeter steps, but of what, what's the next thing of what could create that? And I had this aha moment that I was like, okay, I think I want to do more with this. And what's that going to look like? And it was coupled with this realization that if I wanted this work to move forward, no one else was going to do it for free. So if I still know to serve these families, which in my heart, I knew I did, then I needed to create a substantial structure to maintain that. So that really was the turning point and the catalyst of what's come since. Yeah. And I think that's huge because when you and I have talked about coaching before, it really is know thyself first. It's almost, I have to look at who I am and who I want to be. What are the things that excite me or bring me joy? And then what are the steps I need to take to get there? If I open the door and I say, okay, Mateo's joy is it then what are the 50 things that have to happen to make that reality? You clearly, you had this moment, you said what, 2018, 2019? 2018. And then you were already a 501c3. What did you do from there to today? How did you progress? I really did create lots of baby steps and I just started going through the list. So I broke down every single project we had been currently doing and I gave it a full over, okay, does it need a refresh? What's working really well? Does this project still align with our mission? Is this where we want to put our funds? It was an overall sort of assessment of the organization. I looked at resources and looked at our fundraisers. It's really interesting. If you're just fitting in the organizing even of fundraisers, the cracks of your life, they're probably lacking in how successful they could be. And so I would say phase one was a little bit of elimination of time and space in other parts of my life, to be honest, so that I could create time and space and energy to work and move the things with Mateus Joy forward. And I did that. And it takes time and effort and you have to be patient. I grabbed sort of the low hanging fruit first. I said, okay, I hired a graphic designer and One of our board members actually generously donated a lot of time with her husband to help with the rebranding. And I wanted it to be something I could be really proud of and picked colors that reflected both me and our mission and all we were doing. And sometimes it's the aesthetics that need a little like update as well. And then moving forward, it was everything from fundraisers to projects to who's on our board and serving and what capacity I want to ask them to do that. You name it, I touched it. And it was just one by one. And if I told you what my goal was back then, I wouldn't even put it in the same words now. We ended up in this better place than I could have imagined. 
because whatever you put time and energy and focus in, it's going to grow and change. But I wanted to make sure I was doing it while also maintaining my well-being. It wasn't saying, oh, add another completely different job onto your plate. It needed to come in a phase and a time that I intentionally made that choice. And so coaching impacted me so much. I actually recently went back and was certified as a coach myself. And I have my first small group going through my joy coaching is what I call it. But they're in this same step of the curriculum that I did this assessment. And this, I like talked to them about it literally 45 minutes ago before this call. And it felt really cool. I was like, yeah, like this started it. And it's in, it's really interesting to me and very cool how you can go back and pinpoint change. And not all of it we can, but this was like pivotal moment of saying, yeah, I'm going to work with this coach. And who knew what was going to happen from that? I mean, it really has just turned life a little upside down, but in good ways. <laughs> but in good ways, right? And I think a yeah. lot of that is you set the intention mm -hmm. and you are deliberate. And I love the fact that you immediately moved to an assessment mm -hmm. in your surroundings and also a rebrand. And I like that because that doubled down the commitment. And it also, you know, we always hear, make sure your office is a nice space to go to. It sort of rearranges your work-life balance and find joy just in being in that space, knowing that there's a beautiful logo, knowing that you have a mission statement or a website that's easily accessible. All of those things are a deliberate choice of becoming something bigger than just, mm -hmm. oh, I go to my garage and I pack care packages, right? Those are different yes. things. Not that there's anything wrong with having a grassroots movement, but it, they're just different levels. And I think you can, you can make that jump. That jump is a hard one. It's the first, I'm going to call it a step function increase. In business, we would call it a major transformation or a step function or a scaling point. And I think that's the first step for a lot of nonprofits. And it's a hard one, right? Mm -hmm. To go from no paid people, all volunteer to paid. That's a big step, yeah. which you did also at the same time. To mm -hmm. go from maybe a small board to something more intentional with people, local businesses, also mm -hmm. intentional and difficult to do, right? You have a lot more diversity, some conflict. So talk about the evolution to a storefront, because I feel like that was another, we yeah. we did all this work around us. Now it's about finding a space to build community. Yeah. If you had asked me what the moonshot goal was in 2018, I would have said to you, we want to get our programs and projects out to like a national reach. I want to go beyond Chicago land. Bigger is better. And what I realized was that more community and more people in the work was what I wanted and what was better. And there came a really clear point, and it wasn't all that long ago. It was earlier this calendar year. I had this sort of aha moment that all of my business functionings were out of our home. And I'm super grateful. I've functioned working from home, not just with Matea's Joy, but for literally 16, 17 years. And I hadn't thought much of it. But you limit in a work in the nonprofit space who you can invite in. And we were inviting in. We had lots of friends and family around my dining room table, and they would help us package care packages and snack boxes. But I wasn't going to post a public thing and invite people around my dining room table. I mean, there's just certain limits of how much you can do that. And someone posted locally that they were moving. I had always passed this particular strip of businesses in our community and thought, oh, I would love to be there. That's really cool. There's some really amazing female business owners down that strip. I think that's really great. And it just felt like when you tip the dominoes, I saw a Facebook post of someone saying, hey, we're moving. And I said, 
where are you moving? Is your space available? But it was part of the bigger plan. The dominoes just kept tipping. The landlord is super gracious. So we want you here. We believe in your mission. And I just took the leap. And I have to say, I knew it would have impact. I didn't know how much impact. And it hasn't even been a full calendar year. And I can already tell you, we've probably involved 10 times as many people in the work. And we have our motto, give joy, feel joy. It's on the wall behind me in our space. It was really important to me that that was clear. The individuals we bring into this space are those doing the work beside me. It's not the individuals we even give our projects to because I have come to realize that when you're in the work and you're serving others, especially in circumstances that you've experienced before and you have a chance to look outward, it invites incredible amount of joy. So this space is our giving space for individuals in our community to gather. Yeah, I love that. And I love the idea. There is something, I'm going to call it bias. It's probably not a great word. When you're small and it's your house, you're brainstorming ideas and it's all great work, but it does tend to be a little insular. I don't want to just invite anyone into my home space. I would urge any listener who wants to take that step to make that happen, to take that step of a storefront or a, a once a quarter get together that's maybe sort of more of a public forum Someone that we were interviewing was talking about how they developed one of their programs. And it really is almost like a focus group where all of this good can come from it because you're involving the community you serve. You're involving additional people and ideas, and it just grows organically from there. Social media can have some of the same effects. I've seen that too. But you want community, you pitch for community, and you got community. And I'll give a word of caution, especially to founders. I can look back reflectively now and see that I was doing it. It's really easy to hold tight to something that feels so personal and real to you and not want anyone to, again, like, quote unquote, mess it up. Like, you don't even know you're doing it. You're like, no, but I want it done this way. And what if they have an idea that doesn't align with my idea? And you hold on to it so tightly that it's given no space to grow. So I really did keep it there. And in some ways it served me and my circumstance in my family. There is a bit to the timeline that eight years ago, you know, I couldn't have had time and space to do this with small kiddos and all the things. It came at a season that I I had time and space, but when you open it up and allow other people in, it just is cool. It's a magnifier. And yes, it's messy and some things aren't as quote unquote perfect as you might want them, but it's cool. So it's so much better when you bring in the messy. Yeah, it's really how you get the moonshot to launch. Talked before about asking for help, which you've also mentioned, you know, you brought in people with different things and your business background, you'd mentioned you were CFO. So you were used to tapping people on the shoulder and give me your opinion, right? You already had that background. But I think when it's something very personal to you, it is even harder to ask for help. That fear of rejection is there. The fear of loss of control, all of that founder syndrome. But you cannot launch a moonshot alone unless you're Elon Musk, right? You cannot build that rocket and launch (laughs) it by yourself. And you, you have to give it room to grow and expand And the ideas may not all be yours, but they will be great in the end. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. I think that's key. Was there anything that you felt like you wish you had done differently? 
Oh, for sure. It's interesting though. I can also go back and feel like, oh, it really unfolded the way that it should have. But I could have avoided some pain if I had let more people in sooner. And acknowledging I overworked myself for too long, thinking I had to do it all alone. I wish I adopt sooner and said, no, this this is all the time and energy I have to give. And it's okay if it doesn't move a whole lot along. But who else can come in and take some of that and we can move it together. And we've talked a little bit about that, but that is probably the biggest, what would you have done differently? And I think that's a message we should all hear. Nonprofit, not nonprofit, doesn't matter. And I think especially as a leader in any organization, just because the work isn't done your way, doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it's not good work. And it doesn't also mean that you should harm yourself in getting that work done that it's okay to delegate it out and what comes back will be okay. And it's interesting, a a thought around that that served me really well is that I can now acknowledge how much some of that figuring it out early on helped me to grow and to become and to invite the joy in and to help me to heal. And a lot of the individuals that I'm having, I just recently opened up to individual volunteers. The space allowed me to do that. And I've had some individuals that I can look at them and be like, that was me 10 years ago. I know I needed this and I feel like maybe they need this. It doesn't mean they're going to do it the way I'm going to do it, but I can give them a place to come and serve and give back through an experience and heal or do whatever they need to do. And the power in that is pretty cool. And who knows, maybe they'll come and help a couple of times and that's it, but maybe they'll be around for a long time and I can create time and space for them. Absolutely. And I think that goes for paid staff, for volunteers, just watching that person grow. If you have a heart of service, there is joy in watching that growth. You know, as a leader, I see a lot of different leaders in business and different styles and personalities. I always say that in service or customer experience, you need a heart of leadership and a heart of service. Mm -hmm. And that comes back to, I have to let go of it. I have to let Mm -hmm. go of that control. I have to involve other people because watching that interaction and watching them grow is part of what is exciting to me and fun and joyful and what I love about the job. Long time ago, I was quoted somewhere as saying, I have the best job in the world because I get to help people who help people. And if if I'm the one doing all the direct interaction, they don't get that. Correct. And you you think about like John Maxwell, five levels of leadership. I think a lot of individuals in the business realm know that. And if you don't Google it, it's all over the place. The highest level of leadership is building other leaders, like creating more people like you. And it's not about doing all the work. I think that's where we get the greatest impact. We talk about impact a lot in the nonprofit realm. And we often think about, okay, what impact am I bringing to this community that I have my mission around? But the impact, it's always people. I mean, we want to measure with numbers and all these things, but the impact is almost always the most immeasurable things have the greatest impact. And if we don't lose sight of that, I think we we get some exponential impact in places we didn't expect. You know, when I circle back to some of those things, I said that when you focus on it, it grows. It's as simple as just taking your fundraisers. And I needed to look at them and say, okay, are we really getting a great return on our investment, investment of time and energy and everything? Is that really serving what we need to raise more intentionally 
what are we missing in this existing opportunity that, that we found is successful, but how can we let it grow? And part of that was sharing my vision. I mean, I've told our community when I go to our fundraisers and I talk to our donors, I want to have a joy movement in our community and it involves getting more people in the work. And when people catch your vision, when you have one-on-one -on -one conversations, when you give them heartfelt thank yous, they're willing to support you in it. And so if you can hone in on that, I mean, we've seen the largest growth in inviting even the people giving more into the work, again, about the people, just seeing an increase in dollars in that. And we did a, an intentional focus on annual giving, getting more people. And we had the opportunity, we planned a 10-year gala, which was in 2020. And so it ended up being in 2022. We <laughs> had a 10-year gala. And my biggest ask of the night was when I have consistent donors, I can consistently plan. So could you come on board and join me in that? And yes, some of that just came from business sense that I brought along to the organization. You know, a nonprofit's still a business and people lose sight of that sometimes, hence the name of this podcast. Yeah. But um <laughs> If I quickly think about it, we've probably grown two, two times over in the amount of donor revenue we've been able to bring in, again, then able to increase the output. And some of it's come even when you invite more people in, they become potential donors too. I mean, I'm not asking people to bring money to serve, but they often will say, what can I bring? What can I donate? How can I support your organization? And so they go together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the idea that a moonshot doesn't need to be adding all kinds of products and services. Mm -hmm. You have, but it starts with intention and digging into what you already do and making it better or more meaningful or have a bigger reach. It yeah. really is almost an overhaul of your existing methodologies and processes and approach yes. and really saying, is there a way that I could deepen the relationship with these donors or that I could turn my volunteers maybe into advocates within the community? All of that comes naturally. And in the business world, right, you always say that an employee referral to another employee is what you want. Yeah. Because if they bring in their friends, there's DEI consequences there. But if they bring in their friends, they're more likely to stay. You want that as well on the donor side. You want that as well on the volunteer side. And if they can take the mission forward for you, it's just marketing you have to do. It really is about taking that on the road. Okay. So I want to give you a little bit of time to talk about how we can help you. Like, what do you need from the listener base? Talk about your website. Give me some links. Our website is mateasjoy.org. It's M-A-T-T-E-A-S. It's an interesting spelling, I know. If anyone is Chicago land-based, of course, we would invite you in and physically come and do the work with us. But by the time this airs, I'm sure you can find on there the newest project in the hopper is we are asking for joy ambassadors. There are individuals around the country that have said to me, oh, I wish you were closer. I would love to come and do this with you. Our snack box program, we provide snack boxes to children's hospitals to be given bedside to families, particularly parents is who we serve bedside. We found that that's where the greatest need that we saw was. And those can be replicated. So we have a program that you can sign on and partner with a hospital near you with Matea's Joy. And we support you in that work so that you can expand our reach with us. I love that. I love that. We had talked to another organization and we were joking about like franchising that organization. <laughs> yeah. And they weren't, they really were not interested, but I love <laughs> that idea, right? Because sometimes I don't know where to start. I don't want to start my own organization. I yes. love what you're doing. 
And if I can just get involved somehow, but it's still local, it really does spread the movement. And some individuals, the front end logistics of a nonprofit are scary to them. They don't want to brand themselves or figure out their website and all that. And, you know, that's plug and play at this point for us. It's like, okay, we know what works. We have really great systems in place and we can guide others to do that with us. And we've been doing a lot of work around joy. I run a podcast myself called Joy in the Journey, which was originally designed for families sitting bedside to listen to and maybe hear a story that resonated with them. And I've come to realize that it helps anyone who might know someone going through a challenging circumstance. Anytime we can learn more about other people's stories, we can show up with some empathy and grace and just be good friends and humans to each other. So anyone interested in that, I direct them to the podcast, which you can find on our website. And they know any great guests. I always welcome guest referrals. That's always fabulous. People I haven't been introduced to. And uh, lastly, the joy coaching. In doing this work, I've realized individuals sometimes need help building their joy muscles. And it's before things get tough. So if you're curious, you can check it out, jamiefriedland.com or at links at mateasjoy.org. Thank you. Thank you so much. Jamie, I can't say enough how awesome it is to talk to you again. Clearly, Jamie's phenomenal. She's she's great to listen to. I urge you to check out her podcast and definitely check out MateasJoy.org. Give if you can. If you can't volunteer, please just get involved. Spread the joy. That's what we want for her organization and for all of us. Thanks so much for listening. I really, really appreciate it. On behalf of producer Sam and I, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear some feedback and don't forget to follow us. Hello, my name is Tiffany Rossick, CEO of TGR Management Consulting. Volunteerism is a core value of ours at TGR. In fact, it's something each and every one of our team members have demonstrated prior to being hired. Because we all believe all humans want to be part of something bigger than themselves, and together we are better.